So how many were here last night again? Just raise your hand if you were here. So quite a few of you were. Uh, last night was a very special time as Anthony and Sarah came and shared their, their lives with us, really, and shared the word. Um, they have a unique ministry in that uh, their lives were very uh, disruptive before they came to Christ. And so they were saved out of some very difficult situations, uh, the rock music scene and the drug, drug scene. And God is using them powerfully to do a great work. And we're very excited about that. Uh, they're flying back home to, Na they live in Nashville now. <clears throat> so they're flying, flying back out, I think, tomorrow. So please keep them in your prayers uh, going forward. Well, tonight, uh, this morning, we have a, another evangelist with us. And uh, the office of an evangelist is very special. Uh, Anthony and Sarah are evangelists. They, they go by that title. Um, and their ministry is a certain type of evangelistic ministry. However, we have another evangelist with us today. Uh, his background, listen to this, 43 years of pastoring in Rhode Island. That deserves something right there. <laughs> uh, sometimes I refer to Rhode Island as, a, as another people group. You know, they're just another type of person down there but uh, ministering there faithfully for 43 years. And over the last year and a half or so, felt a call of God to leave the pastorate and to go on to the evangelistic circuit. So he comes with a, a, a wealth of pastoral experience and uh, faithfulness with the Assemblies of God and the community of the Assemblies of God for many, many years. We've seen each other for years, but uh, never really connected until recently. Comes highly recommended from a couple of pastors of mine in the Assemblies of God. Uh, his wife Deborah is here. Uh, so I want you to give a warm welcome to Brother Richard Leahy. Richard, come on up. And uh, share the word of God with us. Take your liberty to proclaim God's word today. Amen. I think I got that right. So good to see you this morning. And as uh, Pastor Rick said, uh, it's my blessing with my wife, Deborah. And Deborah, could you just stand up, Deborah, and wave? She's very shy. So, all right, that's enough, Deborah. <laughs> We've been married 47 years, and uh, by God's grace, and uh, the Lord put us together, and you'll hear about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but I thank you, Pastor Rick and his wife, Pam. I, I remember as soon as I saw your wife, I remember her face at all the district things. Amen. So I thank you for uh, having us here. As, as Pastor said, I was pastoring for 43 years. And uh, people that know me well, they say, Brother Rich, when I told them how the Lord called me uh, to do evangelism, I was in my prayer time one day, and, and the word that came forth, and the word from that dear sister, that what we hear today, we should take, live out, walk out. And that's true of every Sunday. And I want to say hello to my Livia friend and my other friends from North Point, our teacher there, and Olivia and her friends, amen. And uh, I was in prayer, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I've giving you a message for the church, and I will open the doors. So I was pastoring then, and 
I'm not a journal person, I, but I did write that down. It just, it just came across crystal clear. With Deborah and I, the week later, we went to Arkansas in Jonesboro to visit our son who was in college there. So we went to the Assembly of God Church in Jonesboro, and there there was a message and interpretation, and it said, I've given you a message for the church, and I will open the door. So I wrote that down, and I said, Lord, I said, well, maybe I'll just stay here as pastor, and just you're going to do something else, and I'll just stay here and keep preaching, and then you're going to... But then... Uh, Then something happened, and I want us to turn to Psalm 71. And this here, this scripture really kind of solidified it. We're going to launch off. By God's grace, we're going to go through many scriptures today. And how many say amen for going through scriptures? If you're afraid of scriptures, then you'll have a bad Sunday. <laughs> if, you, if you really haven't started looking in the scripture... You're going to have a great day because I believe in God. He's going to put such a hunger and a thirst in your spirit. I need to get into the word. And so let's open up and we're going to read Psalm 71. Let's stand for a brief moment, 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-haired, oh yes, amen, <laughs> oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. So let's turn to Psalm 118, verse 16 and 17. Psalm 118, verse 16 and 17. The right hand of the Lord is exalted, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We present ourselves, our minds. We present our hearts, our emotions, our physical body, and our physical strength. We present it a living sacrifice. And Lord, for those of us that know you and those here in this room that may not know you or they're just beginning that journey to seek you out, we present ourselves here. We ask you to talk clearly, shake our souls individually, go beyond the crowd, and let it be a crowd of you and I as individuals that you would minister so clearly, that we would be shaken so divinely that when we walk out, we will be changed forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats, my dear friends. The title is Messages, and I have to tell you, Pastor, I'd like to share this message the first time I go to churches because I, by God's grace, I, I trust I get a chance to return <laughs> and I want you to know something about myself and what the Lord has done because life, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about the great conversion on the cross, that one thief, right? Powerful. Today. Today you will be with me. 
degradation, criminal, paying the price for his sins, being crucified as a criminal, just happened that he was crucified with Christ. He turns to Christ. No time to get holy, no time to get cleaned up, no time to shave, no time to go buy new clothes, no time to put on a new spirit, a new heart. No time. But time to do one thing, and that was to repent and turn to Christ. He took advantage of that time. And to that, to that, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you just close your eyes and say, Lord, today, today is my today. And today, Lord, you and I, are going to meet. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of this message is quick. Get me to the emergency room. Quickly, get me to the emergency room. You are looking at a man that has had over 100 operations of life and death. And I mean that sincerely and honestly. Over 100 times I was in an emergency operating room, life and death. The unique, the unique thing about my operations, none of them occurred in the hospital. It makes you feel better. All that cotton, his body must look a mess. My body has never been cut in an operating room. But as our brother spoke earlier today in interpretation, these bookmarks have a little thing here that sums it all up. The Holy Spirit has raked my heart over the coals of God's holiness many, many times. The Holy Spirit, the doctor, has raked my heart, the operation, over the coals of God's holiness many times. Where I, the man, Richard, met the almighty God, transforming. These bookmarks are on that table. You can feel free to take one on the way out if you so desire. Over 100 operations. I want to repeat some simple words that whenever people hear this ministry, I just want them to remember certain things. There is no secret to life, a life in Christ. The whole idea that certain same traits will get you far in Christ, and without these certain traits, you won't go far. And they are humility, genuine repentance, uh, unrelentless and undenying faith in God's word, a revelation of his word, the power of the Holy Spirit. You mix all those things in different portions and different parts of your life. You will have a great life in Christ. And you will experience God because 
Uh, I don't know, Pastor Rick, I think you would agree with me. If anyone says, I know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I, I cannot fathom that life not having divine encounters with God. It's like, really? How can you say, I know Christ, and say, I've never had any divine encounters? I, I don't comprehend that. How many say amen? And if you've had one divine encounter called salvation, there must be a lot more. If you have one, why? How can you shut it off there? Why would you want to shut it off there? If your life was such a mess that a divine operation of God, and that's the only thing that saved you, why would you want to stop? There's a, I don't know about you, but I found there's a whole lot more junk left in me, and that's why I needed 100 operations by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Well, we were in Maine around uh, October, the beginning of October last year, and uh, we were in Maine with this friend of mine preaching for services, and, and I have to tell you, recently I've just felt like the Lord was just moving in our lives and our ministry in a newer way, in a more powerful way. And we were in Maine, and certain things happened. We saw wonderful things. We came back from Maine, and, and we were going to go, Deborah and I were going to go to Connecticut, to go preach there, so I came home Wednesday and Friday. I spent in my office getting ready for the Sunday's message. So I go in my office, and soon thereafter, got kind of lost in the presence of God, and the presence of God was so powerful, so real. I found myself on the floor, and, and I've learned over uh, 48 years of living with Jesus, I found that the floor is really one of my best friends. And I found myself on the floor weeping and interceding, praising, standing up, walking around, praising, sitting at my desk, writing, reading, studying, and this cycle just kept going on for three hours, and I was wide awake. I wasn't lost in some mystical cloud. I was wide awake, fully conscious, but yet this, this cycle of uh, interrupted uh, on the floor, praising him, weeping, crying, interceding, praying in the spirit, sitting at my desk, writing and studying the word, reading the word, thinking about the word, and this constant cycle for three hours just kept going and going and going. At the end of that time, I left the office room and I found my wife. I said, Deborah, I said, by the time we get to Connecticut this Sunday, I'm expecting some supernatural things to take place. I said, I just met the Lord in such a powerful way. That was Friday. Thinking about Sunday. Well, between Friday and Sunday, there's a Saturday. Last time I checked. So Saturday, I started to do some work around the yard that we had little two pets buried in our yard. Waves, uh, weeds were growing all up. So I was shoveling. And uh, I have a tendency of when I do anything, I go a little crazy. And uh, amen. And I was shoveling six inches, seven inches down, a four, like a sheet of plywood, four by eight, just scooping out real quick, throwing a wheelbarrow, uh, shoveling and moving it down to the yard about 100 or so feet. 
and did all this and took a lot of breaks because I know I'm not 30 anymore. Took a lot of breaks and, and uh, so I'm going back and forth. I got it all done. I went and got the stones. So I'm in my truck just shoveling the stones, like sweeping stones halfway through and I felt something in my chest. So I stood uh, in my truck. I said, what was that? I took a few more sh shovels, and I felt that pressure again. I said, what is that, Richard? And I said, Richard K. Lee, you cannot be having a heart attack. And I was kind of laughing at myself. I said, Richard, I said, you, you cannot be having a heart attack. Not R.K. Lee. And I said that because for 20 years, my doctors kept telling me, when I did go to the doctor, maybe once a year, uh, I started to go back at 50. And, uh, and they said, wow, I can't believe your blood work. It's like perfect. There's, there's no little no little shoots anywhere. There's like no tendency to get worried about anything. So for 15 and 20 years, they've said that. So now I'm in my truck, almost 68, and, and I said, wow. So I went down to my tailgate, sat there for a moment, and had this rush to just my mouth filled with saliva. I just leaned over to spit that out. And as soon as I did, I felt this urge to vomit. I said, Richard K. Leahy, that's a heart attack. I said, you've read enough and heard enough people. That's a heart attack. So I called 911, all that, I went. I want to turn back to Psalm 118, verse 16 and 17, because on Friday, I never did get to that church on Sunday. Wow! That divine encounter I had Friday, wow, Lord, you met, I should have been there Sunday. Let's go to Psalm 118, verse 16. The last part, 16 and 17. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. What? I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. That Friday, in that room for three to four hours, I was reading Psalm 118. I was reading those verses as well as uh, verse 21. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, right? But my eyes and heart, were, I kept going over this verse. I shall not die but live. I shall declare the wondrous works of God. And Psalm 71 is the very scripture that God gave me to go evangelize that when I'm old and gray-haired, Lord, I don't forsake me until I declare your power. And in verse 17, I will declare your wondrous works to all these people. And so my friend said, Richard, you must have been scared to death when that heart attack. I says, no, I didn't think about dying. I, I, I will die one day, but it's not October 28th. It wasn't October 29th. It's not this week. It's not next week. It's not next year. I don't know when it is, but I don't see it in the near future. Hallelujah. I say that to say this. That if you had one divine encounter with Jesus Christ, hence salvation, 
You should not stop there, my dear brother and sister of Christ. You should be seeking God. And I want to encourage the church to go back to the floor, go back to the floor and have divine encounter with God. And if physically you can't get there, go to your knees. If you can't physically get there, go to a chair. But make sure you have more than one divine encounter because otherwise I can guarantee you you're missing some of the will of God for you. Because you can't get way down there of your life without having those divine encounters. His will and your experience in him must be saturated with those times of intense prayer and meeting God, because those two will meet. Life is a long haul. And going back to the thief on the cross, you can look at it different ways. In a sense, he got ripped off. Say that carefully. He didn't have a chance to live life and experience God along the paths of life. Because there's so many trials in life, so many heartaches in life, so many pain and, and twists and turns in life. And my dear friend, I, I'm not a person that believes that you just ambiguously go through life and, oh, well, not my life. God gave me one life. I don't have enough time to just ambiguously float through life. Come to church Sundays and that's all there is to it. No way. I want to experience God. I want to live for God. I want to walk in the will of God. No matter if you're doing a secular job in the ministry, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. I want to know God and live for God. So, my dear friends, I, that heart attack I had, they, the doctor said, Richard, it's a, the LAD heart attack, the left arterial descending. And so he said, uh, he said, that's kind of a major one. So my sister Googled it. She Googles everything. There's always someone in your family that Googles everything. I don't need to. I just let her. I call her up. Hey, how about that? No. And uh, so she Googled it. She, she was in the hospital with Deborah. And she said, Richard, do you realize that, that only 12% people that had that heart attack, if they have that heart attack outside the hospital, only 12% live? I said, wow. Recently, my doctor told me that, uh, that half my heart is dead or not functioning. I said, so praise the Lord, I'm alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I had signed up to go to Honduras before this heart attack. So some of my friends and my family said, Richard, are you still going to go? I said, why not? I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Can you, whatever trial you're going through, whatever heartache, whatever heartache or pain or misery or trial or stubbornness, whatever it is, can you just close your eyes and say, Lord, this may be going on, devil, but I am here in Christ. And Christ is my overcoming God. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's the lover of my soul. He's the one that issued this life to me. And this life belongs to God, not to anything or anybody, but to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him. Hallelujah.
So let's begin. I've already used up three quarters of my time. I already talked to the church coming. They're going to wait. Amen. So I want to share a few journeys of my life with you. Number one, that first operation is salvation, right? So I was raised in a very strong Catholic home, very strong. And, uh, and personally, you know when people say, uh, I was dragged to church. I like that. Tell me those people. I was dragged to church. You're like five years old, and they have to drag you? All, all I know is that tells me you are one stubborn, stubborn, mean, nasty kid. Whenever I hear that, that's all you're telling me. Like, you're a one rude kid. You needed a few slaps. If I hear, yeah, I'm serious. You've heard those people say, boy, they dragged me to church. There were seven of us. So there was like a little mini army with us. And uh, then my parents. And so there's seven of us. And, uh, and I can't say we were like super spiritual. But at the same token, I really don't, I can't remember fights and debates about going to church. We were a strong uh, Irish, Canadian, French home. Uh, we couldn't make it to the Italian level. But uh, we did, hit, we at least got to be Italians and French. And uh, so we were strong, strong. Went to church all the time, holidays and everything else. And, and uh, every Christmas, putting the manger scene out there. And my nephew says, oh, Uncle Rich, I remember you're like in your hippie days. And I come over to, to Grandpa's house and you'd be there. And you'd be laid out on the couch listening to your rock and roll music. I says, I was not a hippie. He says, Uncle Rich, you were. I, I said I wasn't. By all, by all standards of men, Richard K. Lay looked like a very nice young man. By all standards of men and religious people, Richard Lay looked like a very moral person. Never did drugs. I'm serious. I may have held the joint from my friend once. Never been drunk in my life. Tried drinking. But ordered a can of pizza with my friends when we went for pizza just to kind of like be like them. And I had trouble just finishing one can. Give me Coke. Why you idiots drinking beer? But I want to tell you in this journey that I'm going to share with you. Very religious. But in the eyes of Christ, I was very lost. In the eyes of God, I was very, very lost. As a teenager, went on a retreat with Catholic kids. It was kind of cool, kind of emotionally high. And I saw a girl there. And I said, oh. She kind of struck me. I said, I should get her name and number. And uh, we were never at the same table. And so it never seemed to be gelling that way. But I said, I got to get her name and number before this thing ends. And uh, you know the old-fashioned school buildings where you could, you know, the stairwells, you look down 5,000 flights. And so I'm walking down, and she's going up. I said, wow, Richard, this is it. This is your chance. Get ready, Richard. Get ready. It's, it's over there. It's right there. Richard, Richard. Hi. Hello. 
I'm very romantic. <laughs> that ended. That whole weekend came to a close, and that girl went wherever she went. She's gone. And so I found this other girl, started dating this girl. I put all my apples in one place. And so I got very serious. Now I'm in college. I'm at UMass in Amherst. Okay, I'm at John Adams Tower, the south east side there. So I'm in John Adams on the seventh floor. And I'm living there, and I'm dating this other girl. I'm very serious, and, and I'm in my room. I'm, I'm lost. I'm unsaved. And I'm sitting there, and, and looking back, I know it was the Holy Spirit. Before I knew the Holy Spirit, he knew me. And I just want to encourage you, my friends, if you're here and you don't know Christ, Seize the opportunities that when God is moving, when he's stirring your heart, you may not comprehend this as God. It just may be a new feeling to you. It may be, wow, what was that? It may be kind of unclear to you, but it's the love of God. He's trying to reach out to you powerfully yet gently and just reveal himself. And so now I'm in my room and my mind is filled with the thought to study. I study, yes. I said, you should do that in college. You're looking at a man, not only that had 100 operations, I graduated with a 2.2. Yes, amen. That wasn't drugs. That wasn't alcohol. That was me trying. I'm sitting in this room and, and looking back, the Holy Spirit filled my mind. I mean, it was so real. So real. Study. I picked up a book. I started looking at it and look, just kind of lightly reading it. And then the voice came back and now it's like a real voice. And it said, go to the student union and study. Well, UMass is a large campus and I'm over at John Adams. And the student union is a little ways. I said, all right. Picked up my books, go to student union, sit down to a big room like this or so by myself. All empty. I'm just there. All the guys and girls start pouring in the class. I said, I better get out of the way. And so uh, this guy comes over, kind of corners me, which made me feel uncomfortable. And he said, I got to get out of your way. You must have a class with some professor. He said, no, we don't have to. I said, yeah, I bet. He said, you don't have to. Have you ever heard of Campus Crusade for Christ? I said, no. No. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I have enough of God. I have enough of Jesus. How many remember that? When you said, I have enough of God, and you start pushing people away. I remember when you said, I have enough. I, I, I'm okay where I am. Remember that? This guy's kind of talking to me, and I'm, I was taught to be polite. I said, no, I never heard that. Said, You're crazy, crazy, crazy. And then he asked me where I live. I tell him John Adams Tower. He says, oh, he says, I got some good news. He calls this guy John, John, John. He I said, if it's good news for him, it's bad news for me. It must be. So he introduces me to this guy named John. He says, Richard, this is Johnny. I meet him, and I shake his hand. I said, nice to meet you again. Crazy, crazy. So that meeting ends. I escape. Now, John Adams, the tower, uh, the, the ground floor is all glass. You can see, the, unless they change it, but it was all glass. And uh, so you could go through the center door, go straight out again through another center door, or you could go to the left was the elevators, to the right was the mailboxes. 
So now because this, this guy, John, this crazy guy, John, and uh, I had enough Jesus. I, I, I was a Catholic, and, and I'm not saying because uh, if you're Catholic, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on Catholics. If you were Presbyterian, Lutheran, whatever you were, you would have the same thing. You've had enough. You didn't need anything more. So that's my context. I was raised as a strong Catholic, so I didn't need anything more. I, I was enough. And uh, so now I'd be looking, and sometimes through all the glass, I could see him. He just t- like to go to the mailbox. I would rush in there. Get that button for that elevator to go up my seven floors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from that guy. And sometimes when I came in, if I saw him at the elevators, I would wig, stay outside, let him get in there, go to the mailbox. Sometimes I'm at the mailbox and I'm at the corner, right? Here's a 17-year-old, a young man, 17 years old, and I would look around the corner and see if I see him. And sometimes he'd come in and he'd start going this way. I went around that way. If I saw him, if I saw him go in the elevator, I went up seven flights of stairs. I didn't need any more. I had enough of Jesus. I went to church every Sunday. I went to Christmas Mass and Easter. I went to all the Holy Days. I did Advent. I did Lent. I did everything. And once again, whether you're Presbyterian Methodist, you may not have had all of that, but you still had that stubbornness. I have enough where I am. The fact is you have nothing where you are unless you have Jesus Christ with you. So now that school semester ends, I go home. And now my girlfriend's there. What does she do? She gives me a Dear John letter. For those of you that are young, that means you're an idiot. I I don't want you. We're we're all done. I'm 68 if you're, I don't know, 40 and under or whatever. Yeah, bye-bye. Well, that threw me for a complete tailspin, and I ended up in full-blown depression. I was always happy-go-lucky, dreams and visions and everything. I was in college because I knew I wanted to be in landscaping and run my own business. That's why I was there. I knew that. My mother saw it in me when I was in eighth grade. I went to an all-boy high school for that because she saw what my interests were. So now I'm really clinically depressed. I never went to the doctor. My father never had to worry about me. Never. My older brothers, maybe. But now he knew I was a mess. He didn't know how to fix me. He never really came to talk to me about it, but he knew it. I could be in the Catholic mass, just fall to pieces. I could be at his house, fall to pieces. I could be wherever and just come undone. And like all good religious people, you scream and holler at God. Religious people. That's why, that's why Matthew 23, you don't have to turn to it, but Matthew 23, Jesus scathes the Pharisees. When you think you have enough of Jesus, when you actually have nothing, you are the most arrogant person on the face of the earth. And Richard Leahy had joined that group of Pharisees. I didn't know them then. I found out who they were. And when I read Matthew 23, I said, Lord, I didn't have a role. I didn't have a position. 
But I am him. And I am that fool. I am that hypocrite. I am that vile religious person who thought I had enough. And I was empty and bankrupt. So for a month I cursed him. And after that, by God's grace, and thank God for his grace, amen, when you don't deserve grace, he, he still has enough for you, amen? And I'm sure many of you are, are like me, that you look back and you saw the grace of God before you even knew him watching over you. And so by the grace of God, it came to a place, I, I stopped cursing him and stopped yelling at him, and then I, I, I repented, Remember those key things I told you? Repentance. I, I just said, God, please forgive me. I said, I don't know you. I must not know you. That's what I see so clear. I must not know you with all my church. Now, my friends did everything. I hung out with all my friends. They did everything under the book or in the book. My friend would call me and say, Richard, you got to go to the basketball game. I went to many basketball games with him. I said, no, I don't want to go. He said, Richard, but you've got to go. I went to many, but this time I didn't want to go. And he said, Richard, you got to go. I said, why do I got to go? He said, because when you're with us, the police never catch us. I don't know, Pastor, but while I was lost, somehow I had a good auto-bashanda. God's grace. Why is God so mindful of us? Why does he take the time to think about us and have a will? Good plans and a good future and a good end for us. Because he loves you. He loves you. So I stopped cursing him. I asked him for forgiveness. I asked him, I said, you've got to show yourself to me because I have no clue. Very soon the depression left, complete, all the depression left, gone. And Richard Kayleigh is back to normal. I go up to the Catholic Church one day with my best friend on a Saturday Mass, I believe. And who do you think walks up the steps? You know, a Catholic Church is... Many, many masses and all that. So I'm, I walk up now, we're at the top, and who do you think I see walk up? <laughs> That's a good one. That's second. John, that girl, that first girl I met in that Catholic retreat. There she is, the one I wanted to get the name and number. There she is. She's standing right there. I go... She walks in. I see her. She walks in the, the, the church. She sits down. I kind of look around where she is. I find her sitting in front, blah, blah, blah. Pray. The church ends. I get her name and number or whatever. And we, we met. And she's my wife. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did more talking the second time around. And my point is this also, that before you get saved, my friend, or even while you're saved, be very, 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 very cautious. 
When God is reaching out to you, husbands and wives, when God is reaching out to you and trying to pull you, trying to draw you, make sure you, make sure you surrender your heart no matter what the issue is. Man, sometimes we can be super stubborn, super stubborn, super stubborn. Can someone say, man, Make sure when God is dealing with your heart about an issue or some sin or some whatever, make sure you get on your knees before you keep saying, no, I'm okay. Make sure you get to your knees and say, God, talk to me. I want to tra- be transformed because though you don't want to keep pushing God away because when I remember, I didn't want that, that guy. God sent me John. Because he knew that the devil was going to send me a dear John. But he sent me a disciple John because he was trying to save me from what hell was trying to try and kill me with a dear John letter. And my friend, while the depression came, I still came back and I repented. And repentance will always allow you to come back to ground zero where God can find you and pour his spirit on you. I want to read Romans 6.14 real quick. Romans 6.14, it says that sin shall not have dominion over me. Sin shall not have dominion. So now I get saved. Deborah, I I meet her. I go to the the retreats, and she now starts bringing me to prayer meetings. And I I get to this garage. She said, we're going to a prayer meeting. I, I I thought it was a garage. It was a garage. There were just no cars in it, just a bunch of uh, uh, Catholic, French Catholics, and I, so they're all there around the edge of the garage, worshiping, singing, raising hands. I said, that's freaky. But because I, wa- I wanted her, I have to confess, because I wanted to date her, I said, let me just go through this. But I listened to the word of God. That skinny little Cape Verdean preacher, Brother Norman, preached the word of God. And I got into my spirit. I said, God, that's what I need. I need to repent and accept you as my Savior. Once, but like a Savior. So I did. I turned my life to Christ. Now, reading Christ, I thank God for a church that Deborah was attending, so I started attending a church that preached the Word of God, that taught, wasn't afraid of the Word of God, read the Word of God. He preached the Word. He taught the Word. Sunday school. I started going. And Romans 6, 14, I started reading. By God's grace, I started having my own prayer life. Sin shall not have dominion over you. I took that Literally. Aren't we supposed to take that literally? Sin shall not have dominion over you. I said, wow, Richard, there's some sins that own you. There's some sins that own you, Richard. I read Ephesians 1.12. If you want to turn to there for more, Ephesians 1.12, Paul says, that we who first believed should be to the praise of his glory. That I, I, I said, well, I know Paul's saying that we who first believed. I said, Lord, I want to jump in that group. I know I don't belong there, but I don't want to miss up on that verse. No, that I, Richard Kent, I should be to the praise of his glory. And you know that the ordinary 
part of life is that children should bring glory to their parents, right? That children should bring glory to their parents. In other words, bring honor, right? That children should bring honor to their parents. You know, someone uh, over here in church, they see your little boy and say, hey, your son Johnny, I, he held the door open for a sister so-and-so who's 88 years old. And wow, and you, you, don't, say, you don't have to say a word. You just get honored. Some lady comes up to you and says, wow, I saw your cute little girl. And some other girl didn't have the cookie. And your, your little cute girl gave her the cookie. That I should be to the praise of his glory. That's a pretty tall climb. Doesn't take you much time to realize in myself, I, I can never get that. If he is God, if he's almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, if he is holy, how can I bring him glory? Is it my landscaping? Is it my talents? Is it my abilities? He wants my mind. He wants how I treat this body and what I use this body for to glorify him. That I, my talents will glorify him, but don't put them as the main. They mean nothing unless this is glorifying him. Unless the three parts of me, my mind, my spirit, my body, that must glorify God. I read that. I says, God. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. If you could put that up, James. I read this verse, too. It says, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those sins of other men follow after. Some men's sins precede them to judgment, meaning some people, their sins are so outward, so open, so clearly vile, degraded, perverse. Some men's sins and some women's sins are, are so evil, so openly blatant against God, blasphemer, a runaround, drug addict, prostitute, a, 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 a hatred, a pride, prejudice, and uh, uh, just hate the blacks, hate the whites, you hate whatever. You're just full of anger and wrath. It's so out there. Your sins have gone and they're waiting at judgment for you to die and get there because they want to Make sure you pay the price. And some of you may, and Brother Anthony, I've had Brother Anthony when I was pastoring at our church twice to preach powerful testimony, right? Powerful testimony. But he was, would fit in one of those categories. His sins were so open, so blatant, they rushed the judgment just waiting for him to get there. My sins... Other men's sins, they get there later because the self-deception, false thinking of who you are. You think you're going to get the judgment as a sinner. 
about turning to Christ, and you're, you're just waiting for God to say, wow, about time you're here. We're so blessed to have you. That's what you think. But then your sins sneak up, and they start speaking and, and being careful. You know what I'm trying to say. They show up, which God already knows, but they show up. And that's what Jesus sees. And he sees they've never been confessed. They've never been repented of. And therefore, you don't belong there. That's why you'll be separated from God for eternity. That's for those sinners who never repent. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm just going to make sure you understand that. I'm not talking about Christians who have repented because our path is, as we, remember, we keep overcoming sin along this path. I'm talking about sinners who never come to Christ as Savior. So now I said, wow, my life, I'm just drinking the word and the word speaking to me. I'm praying for like a half hour, an hour before I even go to Bible school. By God's grace, I'm just in the Word, just seeking and having these operations, having these divine, and God just reaching, cutting, and ripping sin out. So, my friend, one time Deborah and I were dating, and we went to this couple's house. They were kind of discipling us. So the guy, he's playing the organ. He's playing the organ, and I'm standing here. Deborah's here, and this other lady who was part of this, they were mentoring us. She's there. So I'm, I, Deborah, and uh, Pat. And so the guy's playing the organ. So we're singing Christian music. What a great place, right? We're all singing gospel songs or whatever. In a few minutes, he's there playing gospel music. Just a few minutes. This rage. Rage, that's building up this room. Rage, anger, jealousy, consumes me. Consumes me. Remember I said, looking at a man that's had over 100 operations, never did drugs, never did alcohol. But I would soon find out and be amazed how much sin how much powerful sins could be inside of a life that looks so good, that looks so clean. This rage is just welling up, and I just feel like I should stop pounding on this guy. And I, they're all singing. I'm trying to process this. Thank God I had the word to process it. Thank God I was in the Word. And the Word taught me how to process the good, the bad, the ugly things of life, and the wicked things in me. Someone say amen. And my friend, if you're not in the Word, I can promise you, not because I'm some, some expert, but just enough to... If you're not in the Word, I can guarantee you, you are trouble. You are stumbling at how to process life. You are stumbling. You're having a hard time how to process the good, the bad, the hard, the ugly. And you're having pro a problem process because you don't know how to go except for what you think. Or, but when you're in the Word, He sends you good medicine. He talks. He speaks. He reveals the truth to you. And you see this by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? 
And so now this rage is boiling up. I want to go pound this guy. But I knew that something was wrong. I left. I left that group. I went to the other room. I knelt down. I just knelt down. I started crying out. I started weeping. I says, God. What's going on with me? I, I says, I know I love you, but this thing owns me. I, and you gotta confess, you gotta admit when something owns you. You've gotta be honest. Why, why continue to kill your wife or kill your husband? Why continue to hurt your kids? You've gotta be honest. Remember, that I should be to his glory. Well, now this ugly sin, how can I be to his glory when this thing, this thing owns me? So I started weeping. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I was, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in the Spirit, just crying out to God. I said, God, I hate, I hate. You've got to stop playing with sin. You've got to stop letting it dangle in front of you. You've got to stop having in your pocket, having pictures of it. I said, God, I just hate this sin. I don't want this to be a part of me anymore. I says, Lord, by the name, because, you know, when you're struggling with this, when you have some powerful sin that owns you, you know, Satan, what he wants to do, he wants to condemn you and tell you you didn't, never came to Christ, that you don't live for Christ. You're a hypocrite. And I, you have to fight this thing up because he's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you because he's afraid of losing control of that area of your life. He wants to own it. And so he's going to haunt you with condemnation and guilt. And you've got to press in on the word. I do love Christ. This is my life and I gave it to Christ. I said, you cannot own me. You cannot live in me anymore. You've got to leave my life. And you know what happened, my friend? From my feet, oh, the presence of God just started welling up. And whew, something was gone. Something was gone. I want to be for the glory of God. Sin shall not have dominion. That sin is not going to show up on judgment day. No way. Want to live for God. Hallelujah. My dear friend, life went on, and so now here I am, Deborah and I dating. And uh, all my life I had these, remember, no drugs, no alcohol. Devil doesn't care what sin you get involved in. You do know that, right? You don't get stars for being a drunk. You don't get stars for being a drug addict or a prostitute or some wicked sleep around. You don't get stars. He doesn't care what you get involved in as long as you stay away from Christ. You can be a white-collar businessman, successful, no drinking, no... Maybe you're faithful to your wife and you're the great husband, the great guy to your kids. But without Christ, you're going to hell. You could be a pre-labor cologne in high fashion. You could be a very respected by the community. But you have no Christ, you will be in hell. He doesn't care what you get involved in as long as you stay away from the blood of Christ, the cross, the resurrection, repentance, and faith. So when I was a kid, I had all these bad experiences with dogs. I'm going to embarrass myself real thorough here. So dogs... Uh, I would go, you know, for walks, and dogs would jump on me. 
I, my best friend, I'd ride my three-speed bike. Remember the fancy bikes, the three speeds? Well, I had one. So I'd ride my three-speed bike up to my friends, go play that. I'd come back at night, I'd put rocks in my pockets because I knew there was a German shepherd. And when that German shepherd, I was going to pelt him, I was going to club him to death. He would come and start yelling and barking at me, and I'd just throw rocks at him. I'd ride by and hallelujah. One day I was in sixth grade. I missed I was Catholic church, I was Catholic school. I missed the bus because I helped the nun to race the board or whatever. And now I'm coming to this, this we lived out uh, in the country area, and I came to this fork in the road. I remember the bus route, I could go this way, I could go that way. There was a German shepherd here, a German shepherd there. I said, which way do I want to go? I went that way. I shouldn't have gone that way, but I did go that way. So I go this way, and I'm walking, walking, want to get to home, and I see this house and a German shepherd 100 feet up this road, whatever, this driveway, and I just stare, I stop because I could feel fear already coming upon me. And that shorter that dog looked at me, he said, there's supper. So he starts running down the driveway. He starts running down that driveway. I'm just petrified. I can feel fear. You know, we all, we all experience fear, don't we? Like you almost get a cry, fear, right? That's normal. That's okay. You know, uh, you, you see your child run down the street. Fear grips you. That's okay. That's normal. I'm talking about owning you. I'm talking about owning you. Don't confuse them. I'm talking about fear that owns you. And so now I just clamming up. I'm, I'm shaking to death. I just turn because I remember back there was a shack. And I ran because I would memorize the bus routes all the time looking out the window. I ran into this, this door, this junky door. It looked like a shed, rock shed. I just opened it. I don't care. I just opened it. And I slammed the door behind me. And there's this old man sitting on the bed. It was a one-room shanty kind of thing. And he's just there sitting on his bed. And he's like, what's this kid doing here? I'm in sixth grade. I'm panting with fear. He talked to me get my parents, please come and bring me home. I'm riding, another day I'm riding my bike around this block, which was a five-mile block, because we weren't in the city, and I'm going through the other street with the other dog, and sure enough, it's wintertime, the German shepherds come out, and they just chase him, and I'm petrified, I'm petrified. And uh, I, the dog jumped on the bike, and I fall down in the snow, and I says, I'm going to lay here, just make off, I'm dead. Petrified. Deborah and I dating, going on a date, and we went to go see some couple. Of, and uh, so we're in the car, and I see this dog. Deborah had dogs. She, her parents loved dogs, and you know they're like animal people, and uh, so they just like the dogs. And so uh, I see the dog. I start clamming up. I start freezing. I just, I can't do this. Because I'm a man, I said, Deb, you go out first. I'll be with you in a minute. I dropped something. Oh, yeah. I dropped something. I go get it. So I'm bending. I'm not dead. I bend down. I, I threw it. I'm looking in the bottle. It's over here. She, gets, she likes the, oh, doggy. I've sacrificed my girlfriend. Hallelujah. She loves me. She doesn't mind. <laughs> so I, I see her get out, and I see her touch the dogs, and, oh, okay, it's, oh, yeah, I got it. Here I come. And so I, I pet the dog from, like, you stay over there. Now, I go to Bible school. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God calls me, I won't go into all that, supernaturally calls us to Bible school. So we're at faith school theology in Maine. 
So our first year, Sister Pierce teaching Pentateuch. So we're in this class, and she in, gets in Genesis chapter 9. If you want to go to Genesis chapter 9, real quick, verse 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Genesis, yep, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And so now she's teaching this class, and she's reading the book of Genesis, and she reads this verse. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And it says, uh, Noah comes off the flood, right? So Noah comes off the flood. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to him, Be fruitful, multiply. So now he gives Noah the covenant he originally gave Adam and Eve, right? And verse 2. It says, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the land, every bird of the air. The dread of you, the fear of you shall be upon every beast of the land, every bird of the air. And she goes on. I'm at my chair reading the word. And she went on. I didn't follow on. I was at verse 2. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the field. And the Holy Spirit said, Lord, why am I owned by fear of dogs? And then I realized it wasn't the dog. It wasn't the dog at all. Satan just used the dog to grab me with fear. And that was the real thing. My friend, I'm not talking about, you know, my daughter doesn't like uh, spiders. I'm talking about fear that owns you or any other, any other passion that owns you. And you know it's not Christ-like. You know it's not exalting him. That, my friend, needs to be delivered. You need to be free. That needs repentance. And then Jesus I want to glorify. So now I'm thinking, I says, wow, why am, why am I like this? And now class ends. <clears throat> so now I go to my room and my best friend calls up. He says, Richard, let's go for a walk. Uh, uh, Timmy's going to come. I said, okay. So now we're going for a walk. And so we're taking this big walk. And uh, so he's in the road. The friend is like in the road, the grass, and then I'm in the grass. You know what I mean? So we're walking up there. And they're all talking. And so we're chit-chatting, talking, talk, blah, 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 blah. And we're getting further and further away. And all of a sudden I see a what? What do you think I see? That's right. I see a German Shepherd dog out there. And I say, wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, so we're talking. I said, Richard, you can protect your manhood. And I'm not exaggerating. I said, you can protect your manhood. This guy in the middle, this kid in the middle, I think he's a little weak. I think if you have enough guts and you just keep walking out there and you, you kind of walk this out long enough, this guy will be frightened and he's going to turn around and we're getting, we can all turn around to save him and you can save your manhood something. And men said amen. Sometimes you're, you just feel like you're going to lose your manhood because you're not as strong as that guy. You're not as tough as that guy. You're, you're not as qualified. I want you to know, my friend, you just need to be know Jesus and be happy with Jesus. And you're a man, not because you got muscles, you can pound some. You're a man because you love God. You lead your wife, you lead your children, and you walk in holiness and integrity. That's right. That's right. That makes you a man. 
So we're walking up there. We're walking up there, and now I'm, I'm hoping. I'm saying, this guy, I know he's a kind of a baby guy. He's going to quit on me. And we're, they're just gabbing the dogs. They were getting closer and closer and closer. They're just going. So what's your name, brother? Raymond. Okay, don't get mad at me. Okay. The dog's right there where Raymond is. And I'm, I'm the, we're like 15 feet apart. And the dog's hair is up. He's drooling. And I can feel what? Fear grabbing me again. I can feel it. But I'm getting closer. When I'm no more than, no less than 15 feet, without thinking, without planning anything about it, without even anything, just anything, I, in the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. I wasn't thinking that. I didn't plan it. In the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. The dog looked at me. He ran away. (laughs) These guys were still gabbing past their idiots. They're still gabbing. They didn't know there was a fear. They didn't care because they didn't have fear. They didn't have the spirit of fear. They were fine. They were okay because their heart was not owned. So now we go back, and I said, wow, I can't believe that just happened. I'm thinking about that. Now we have chapel, and there's 120 kids and teachers, whatever, and the teacher says, anyone with a testimony? I stand up. I tell them the whole story. Everything I just told you about when the dogs and little kids and walking through school, I told them about Deborah's dog thing and all that. I told them everything. I tell them about the walk. And when I talk to them walking, I would tell them, Without even thinking, I just went like, in the name of one. Now, when I tell this testimony, I get to this point. I could not see the kids anymore, Pastor. It was no longer them. I wasn't telling them anything. Another operation. The Holy Ghost started cutting and operating. I didn't see a kid. I didn't care about the kids. I didn't care about the teachers. I started crying out to God. I started speaking in tongues and repenting and telling Satan he cannot own me. I said, Satan, you cannot own me here. I says, I understand now. This spirit of fear has to go. Fear cannot control me. I'm a man of God. I gave my life to God. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I'm praying in faith and believing God. And what do you think? The Holy Ghost shows up. And just like a river rushing through me, just like before, the Holy Spirit, something left me. Fear left me. Hallelujah. 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 You can be a new man, a new woman. Hallelujah. And so naturally, you want me to go to your house and see your German shepherd, don't you? I can tell you that test has come up about 100 times. My neighbor, he has a pit bulls, what does he have? Pit bulls, like three or four of them. And he, before he had a fence, they would come across the street and uh, they would jump. I think one time they jumped in Deborah's car. And, oh, nice dog. And uh, so they come over and I'm getting in my vehicle and his head's right there and I just pet him. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Divine encounters. Hallelujah. My dear friend, all that is to say this. 
Jesus loves you. And when I'm lost, he wants to invade your space and start revealing himself to you to bring you to salvation. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, maybe you just started coming recently and you like the music, you like the message, but it really hasn't clicked all the pieces yet of how the, why are they so happy? Why are they joyful? I just want to break it down real quickly. I'm a sinner. And I remember looking at those church people when I would go with Deborah when I first went with her. They're all like singing, praising God, praying in the spirit. And I said, wow, a lot of strange things. But I said, you know, it looks like they actually are enjoying this. Like they're just not lumps on a log. There's joy in their face. There's joy in their heart. And my friend, if, if you haven't accepted Christ, they put the pieces. Me, simply me, I come to Christ and say, Lord, forgive me. I am the sinner. Whether your sins are blatant and vile or your sins are hiding and you look respectable, but you don't know Christ. Maybe you're trying to shove some other God with Jesus. You're trying to put some other ism with Jesus. You're trying to put some yoga with Jesus. You're trying to put some crystals with Jesus. No. Push all that aside. Throw it away. Jesus stands alone. Jesus stands alone. He's the only one who's on the cross. He's the only one who went in the tomb. He's the only one that came out of the tomb. He's the only one that revealed himself for 40 days and showed himself by infallible divine proofs that he was the same Christ who died and now resurrected. So this Christ, you accept him. You surrender your sins and then your life to him. And if you have any controlling sins, and you know my context is not the drugs and alcohol, but if you have that, then that needs to be broken. And Jesus has power to break that. But if you have internal things that own you, things that you're playing games with, living out a second life, he wants to set you free. But you've got to come to the place of hating that and realizing Satan and using those things to kill you, to destroy you. That's salvation today. So I'm going to ask you, you would like, to, if the worship team wants to come, you can. If you want Christ as Savior, I just want you to come up here and shake hands with me, and I'm going to pray with you. Anyway, you just want to, maybe you, you came with your wife, maybe your son, and now you say, I get it. Now I really understand this. If you want to just come and make it formal and say, I want to, I want, I'm going to join you, Pastor. Come up here, brother. What's your name? Anyone else? You just want to, I want to, I understand this now. I want to put the pieces together and I want to make this official. Not be in front of you. We're going to make it official like you and I did to God, right? Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come join quickly, men, woman. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly, just come on. Divine encounters. Your name? Emerling. Anyone else? Divine operations. He's going to rip sin, just pull it right out. He's going to rip out sin. He's going to rip out sin. He's going to make you holy. Not because you or I are, 
He's going to pour his holiness into us. And when he looks at you, you will be holy. Because he comes into your life and the Father sees the Son. Okay, we're going to pray. Anyone else? Quickly. Quickly. Bamboo. Either you can take, you can take the disciple John. You can reject him, and you can wait for the dear John. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly. We're going to pray. Your name again. Right, we're going to pray. There is no magic. Come closer. Come closer. Oh, There's no magic. I can honestly tell you, I have no degrees except for that little associate's degree from college. God only cares about the sincerity of your heart. That's all he cares about. And after today, as you start growing Christ, that's all he's ever going to get, the sincerity of your heart. And so we're going to pray. And we're going to, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And then you're just going to repeat it out loud. And as we do, at the end, I just want to lay my hands on you and pray for you individually, okay? But salvation, Jesus said, if you repent and believe, because if you only keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, you know what that's like? It just goes nowhere, right? You have people that you do a favor for, and they say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You, or, or they hurt you, and they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You say, it's okay, it's okay. They keep saying, I'm sorry, and then bothers you, it bugs you, right? So take Jesus at his word. If you sincerely repent, and you confess, and you in your own heart, you don't have to tell me your sins. But if you have a life controlling, you whisper that and say, God, I hate this sin. You take it. And as you do that, he says, then believe me. Believe that I died on the cross and I love you so much. I'm going to take that sin and I'm going to rip it out and I'm going to leave behind my righteousness and my peace. Amen. So then repent and believe. Put your faith in Christ and only for salvation. And that salvation, okay? So let's pray Saints, I want you to join us all out loud. And I want you to repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you with all my sins. My sins. These are mine. I hate my sins. And I want you. I want to love you. I want you to run my life. But you need to forgive me. You said you will. And I come to you in faith. I thank you, Jesus, for on the cross you died. And then the tomb you came out of. And you're alive and well at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit, come upon me now. Rip out sin. Transform me by the power of your spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming into my life and transforming this very day. 
in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I would like you to raise your hands, my friend. I would like you to begin whispering, thank you, Lord. And I'm going to pray again one more time. Just whisper, thank you, Lord. And church, you can sing your hearts out in the name of Jesus.
Lord, church, we're going to continue to let the Lord do what he's doing up here. 
If you need to leave, we're going we're gonna to pray and bless you. But I want to encourage you, if you are, need something from Jesus, let's do this right now, right now, right here. The king is in the room, amen. So there, there's coffee. Um, you are free to go. We're going to pray and bless you. But if you need prayer, come and let's just seek the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing here today. We thank you for the truth that Jesus is for us. He's with us, he loves us, and he changes everything. Father, we thank you that without you, without Jesus, we live and we die and hell awaits us. But because of your beautiful gift, because of your blood covering, we live in fullness with you. We die and we have eternity promised. So Lord, I just pray, Father, that as we leave, we will walk with the knowledge, the heart full, knowing that Christ is for us, that he loves us and he died for us. Lord, I pray that we will be empowered and emboldened to tell somebody else. Lord, I pray that you meet needs even as we're walking out, Father. Begin, continue to move. I thank you for what you've done here today, and I bless it in your mighty, precious name. Amen, amen. Church, love you. If you need Jesus, come and seek the Lord.